This episode of Story Comic Presents is sponsored by JanusPointPress.com. Watch out for wormholes. Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 327. I'm your host, Bernie Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed artist and illustrator of the Cult of Dracula series, Les Garner. Les. Hello. How's it going? Oh, we were talking before we went live that you've been it's like you have decades of experience on you yeah. know working in illustrations different mediums 3d digital i want to i want us to kind of do a deep dive a bit on you know obviously we'll talk about the um the reign of dracula which is you're here to talk about this um the uh the kickstarter that's live at the moment but really curious less how did you get into being so in the world of illustration and, and art i was a comic book artist in a time when comic book artists couldn't get paid which i guess is pretty much the you know <laughs> to some degree the entire existence of comics but uh you know, I, I, I started out at uh, 19, I was 19 years old when I left uh, Eastern Kentucky and headed to, uh, uh, I was about 30 minutes outside of New York to where I landed and uh, worked in comics, not immediately, of course. I mean, there was a whole struggle of getting in and all that stuff. But, the, you know, once I got work, I, I ended up working in comics, you know, for, for the next few years while doing other jobs, climb, trying to climb my way up the, the ranks of the indie comics. Uh, and that was, that was 93. Mm. And if you know anything about comics history through those years, uh, you know, there is a dark time for comics since the mid nineties where just the entire industry decided to take a huge dump on itself as right. it seemed to do about every 10 to 15 years. And, uh, I, it, it, it just, it, it got to where I couldn't get work out of it. So I, I migrated, uh, from the experience I had with comics, uh, the, the next closest gig I could get was storyboarding. Mm -hmm. So I migrated to storyboarding and, uh, I had in order to make myself more employable in comics, um, when I saw in, you know, like 92, 93, saw the coming of computers for, you know, production techniques, coloring and so on, I uh, busted my chops to figure out how to build a computer back then, built my first computer, uh, hustled to get a hold of the software that I needed and started teaching myself. And this was back when it was like Photoshop version one. Uh, so I was teaching myself these things. Um, and as I explored, you know, of course, since I had a computer, I was like, oh, well, I'll throw a game or two on here. And I was playing like, uh, you know, Doom, you know, early, or, you know, pre-Quake stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, and uh, between that and some of the CG in films, you know, with Terminator 2, Jurassic Park, and the Star Wars edits, um, 
I, 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 you know, I realized that I was like, I was fascinated with, uh, with the computer and, and what it seemed to, to offer. And I ended up getting into, uh, I was, I was really fascinated with the, with three, with the idea of 3d animation. And I taught myself how to build 3d models initially in code. Hmm. So, and which is a whole, it, it's a nightmare. <laughs> that's like, that's one of those things. It's like, how, how nuts was I to get into that? Like the very first model I ever built, I think was a model of R2D2. And I drew it out on graph paper on three pieces of graph paper. They have a, a numbered grid. So everywhere a line crossed uh, the grid at an intersection, I could make a note of what numbers, what coordinates those were. And so when you compared the coordinates across all three, you could get X, Y, and Z coordinates for all where all the lines crossed. And then you compile those together into a, a, a spreadsheet and feed them into a program in DOS that would knit the whole thing together into the facets and create a model. And then I use would use that stuff to to mod, do my own mods on Doom. Oh wow! So <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's there, there's old school, and then there's before the school was even built. Right. So I mean, so I've, I've been involved with 3D stuff since pretty much since almost as long as it's been a thing you could be involved with. So and. Uh, uh, 3D 3D stuff has actually been my main uh, main income through most of this time. Uh, once I stepped into that back then, that ended up it was such a unique skill. I ended up by my mid twenties uh, moving from comics to let's see it's like comics to storyboarding to 3D, and then from 3D into uh, uh, being an art director for a couple of different companies and then, and then starting my own. Wow. So I think, uh, I started, uh, the, my studio studio named six one media. And that was started in 2001. Okay. So I think I was, I don't know, 24, something like that, 24, 25. How difficult it is or how easy is it for you to kind of, keep up with the technology and uh it's almost it's actually like incredibly easy to keep up with i i i yeah. would feel or i feel more uh i don't know i guess sympathy for people who have come into it much later than i did because okay. if you if you started at the ground floor then as you grow over time you're growing right alongside it and it just kind of works you know you just new thing comes out it's like oh well look here's this little thing pop and it's just a cherry on top you just keep adding those but if you start if you started today completely right. fresh like one of the things that makes me employable with the stuff is is i'm a generalist i mean i can i can pretty much wear any hat in a 3d pipeline and uh if you start fresh today and wanted to do that, the learning curve to being able to do that is, is, you know, you're talking about something, uh, effectively a 25 to 30 year old, 30 year learning curve. 
Wow. Why everybody that gets into things now, they all pick a facet of it. Typically, typically you'll have someone focuses just on building the model. Someone who focuses just on, just on texturing, just on developing UV coordinates for the model, just animating, uh, just lighting, just doing layout of a scene. I mean, it's, there's a ton of jobs that happen inside the inside 3d and it's there's a lot of people out there who can do like maybe say say three or four because some of these jobs they're so intertwined with each other that you do pick up on them and there's a lot of good artists out there a lot of good 3d artists out there but there's very few who can bounce from you know, from animation to, uh, you know, to scene layout, to lighting, to, to mesh development, to rigging. Like the main thing that I typically get hired for in the 3D space is uh, as, as what's called a technical director, where um, they may have character designs already, but a lot of times I will either be overseeing artists who are building the meshes and then when the meshes are, or, 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 I'll, or I'll just come in and be the one building the meshes and doing all that work. But then the technical director aspect of it comes in when it's time to take those meshes and uh, rig them for animation. And so mm-hmm. I, I've, I've developed rigs for, uh, I mean, lit- I've literally thousands of characters at this point. Right. But yeah, I, I, I would say... If I had to, if I had to est- put a ballpark estimate on how many characters I've rigged, uh, it's probably in the neighborhood of eight to ten thousand characters by now. Is there been? Have you ever like seen a video game, or if you've seen like an or or any type of animation work where you just said, "Oh man, I wished I had that job. I would have had so much fun with it." I, I don't know. There's there's stuff that I wish I'd worked on. There's it's funny because I put out a lot of content a lot of 3d content through a, a, a few different stores. A couple of them I've actually was one of the people who have found them and uh, a lot. Of, and there's a whole world of 3d content out there. That's uh, uh, people, you know, buy and download and use in their own projects and things. And, and it, it, and it essentially becomes like clip art, you know, like, like 3d clip art, which is it's like clip art with a whole lot more usage to it. Um, and I pretty regularly see things that I've done turn up in like TV shows, commercials. I see my stuff in games, in like background pieces and games. Probably the most, uh, the craziest one. I'm I'm a massive HP Lovecraft fan, right? And I got the, the there was a really nice Call of Cthulhu game came out a couple years ago. I really loved that game. I'm playing through it. I'm hundred percenting this game and I don't actually play that many games. And then I get to the final boss fight and I swear the boss model was lifted right out of my catalog. I, I swear it. I mean, it was just uncanny. I mean, I'm looking at it and of course, you know, I can, I can see, some of the edges, you know, some of the ge- geometry edges when I pause it on screen, I'm looking, I'm like, that looks like my mesh. 
that looks like somebody ran a decimator on on my mesh, converted the textures, down res the textures for a game, and then ran with it because it's. But uh, I mean, well, one the 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 piece that that it was is something that you know anybody could buy it and use it that way. So I can't complain. Um, and two, the actual uh, creature. I mean, it was a. I've I've seen variations on the theme of that particular creature a few times. So, you know, it's but it was just uncanny to me. So that's like the only only game I've ever sat back and played and said, "Man, I really wish I'd have worked on that." That one, I'm like, I should have worked on this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I literally put out. Lovecraftian content for a solid 10 years. Uh, I paid a lot of bills with Lovecraft content for a very long time. Yeah. And I'm about to do more Lovecraft stuff. I, um, I, um, just, uh, put the, 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 the ball in motion doing a, uh, um, a tarot deck that is, uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing a tarot deck that's going to be all, like line art and very kind of uh, uh, like an artistic homage to uh, Bernie Wrightson, guys like my hero. And then uh, the whole thing, though, is, is paying respect to uh, uh, Lovecraft and the different writers in the Lovecraft uh, mythology and all the characters and things. So, yeah, yeah, that's you know, coming back around to that. Mm. I do. I, I love my Lovecraft. Watch out for wormholes, because a good book is a wormhole, whether it's paper or pixels. Explore our artist books and chat books, including the winning 2022 Chautauqua Janus Prize Lecture at JanusPointPress.com. And sign up for news of our upcoming sci-fi, sensual, and literary collection, Event Horizon. This short story collection on cosmic decisions and their impact is written by award-winning author Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos and features comics, prose, photography, and original canvas work by an array of exciting artists. Visit JanicePointPress.com. Do you use, it seems that there's like more math involved when it comes to doing the 3D art than it is to saying do sequential art as well so do you like to bounce back and forth between doing sequential art as compared to 3d art Mm -mm. if i'm doing one that's all i want to do right then okay because if i'm if i'm in comic book mode then i'm doing comics which is really what i want to be doing i've i've done i mean i did comics for the first few years of my uh of my career switched to 3d and have been up to my eyeballs in 3d for 25 26 years i'm i'm kind of past it now mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know i'm, I'm kind of like you know i need some time away from that and uh it was actually a, a few years ago doing see the, the 3d stuff has kept me on the periphery of comics the entire time okay uh there's there's a lot of overlap between the comic book industry and the 3d related industries and uh, in 20, 20, 20, 20, 2012, um, I think it was 2012, um, I started working with Brian Haberlin 
who Brian's he's colored, you know, tons of stuff for image and, uh, you know, written and colored spawn. Uh, he was, he was CEO of Todd McFarlane's company for a long time. And Brian knew me from the 3d side of things because he has stuff that he does over there. And, uh, I worked with him on a, a giant graphic novel of his called Anomaly. Mm. It was like 300 and some pages. And uh, <clears throat> the artwork inside is all, it all looks painted, but it's using 3D models and they're doing an overpaint on them. And they would use the 3D stuff and pose the 3D stuff and take a shot of it and then overpaint from that as references. And oh, okay. I developed a lot of the 3D stuff that went into that. And then after that was all done, came back around and we built, um, I was the, the art lead and animation lead on the augmented reality for that book, which was one of the first AR apps in comics. And that was <laughs> kind of wild. So, so how did you get involved in Reign of Dracula then? Well, uh, <clears throat> It actually goes back to Brian Haverland loosely. Um, while working with Brian, I <laughs> was having a little gripe fest with him one night where I was like, dude, I was like, I, was like, I love to draw. I draw all the time. I draw, I, you know, I'm always doing concepts. I'm always doing this. And I still draw comic book pages just for fun. You know, when I have time to, I'm like, I, I would, I was like, and I was complaining back then. I was like, comics are where I started. It's where I want to finish. It's, 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 it's just, it, but I, and I was like, but the, I'm like, why is it the industry seems to just crap itself every couple of years? And he's like, you know, he, he, he was actually really encouraging. He was like, you know, if you, if you want to do comics, he's like these days, man, just, just do one. He's huh. like, do one, put it on Kickstarter, do one, put it on, uh, you know, put it some on Indiegogo or, uh, um, or he's like, your stuff is good enough that. He's like, shop it around to a publisher and you will probably get picked up. And I was like, well, and so when I had exited comics prior to that, some, some, you know, quite a few years before, um, you know, I hadn't really, I was, I was in the bottom, bottom uh, uh, of, the, of the game. And uh, so when, when it blew up in my face, and I exited, you know, I hadn't really achieved that much. So I guess I just didn't have that much confidence with it. And, uh, you know, and then I'm working with Brian and we have, we, we talk about stuff and, and he's like, you know, you should do it. He's like, just do it. He's like, you're good enough. Do it. And I'm like, well, crap. This guy, I mean, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I respect this guy. I, I, you know, I guess I should give it a shot. And, uh, that's when I decided to put together a thing called Apocalypse Girl. And okay. that came together very slowly because I was still full-time with 3D stuff, like, all the time. And that's that's a, oh, my God, it can be, it can be an absolute drag of a job sometimes with the amount of work that goes into stuff. And, uh, but I, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, started drawing this book called Apocalypse Girl. And I got uh, <clears throat> I got the first ten pages done, and started shopping them around, and ended up uh, getting a publisher. Did some shows with that publisher, 
then that publisher decided they weren't going to be publishing anymore. They, they closed up and went, they, they had some of their own printing facilities and they just focused on printing. So I lost that publisher. And then <clears throat> um, a couple months after that, that happened, I, I was, I was irritated. I was like, no, this is, I was like, this is, this is a load of crap. So I, I start shopping around. I'm like, who's, who, somebody's got to take this. I'm like this. I was, I was feeling real confident with what I had. And, uh, and a, a smaller publisher called insane comics picked it up. They actually published, uh, published the first three issues of it. And I did a bunch of shows with them and that was great. Um, but they eventually folded. I think to my knowledge, I may have had the only book that was profitable for them. Oh, wow. And, uh, they, uh, they folded, <clears throat> but before they folded, they had afforded me a chance to go to, uh, C2E2 with them in, uh, 2020, late, very late 2017. It all blurs together. Um, and, uh, at C2E2, of course, a few years prior to that, I had first met writer Dirk Manning when I was doing shows with the other company. He and I became friends. And uh, and, the, and it's kind of funny. When we first met, he was across the, t- across the aisle from me. He looks real hard at what I'm doing, you know, what I've got hanging up. And, and he comes over and flips through a few pages. And he just looks at me and says, I have to work with you one day. I was like, okay, who the hell are you? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he says, he's like, he's like, he's like, you, 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 you've got the Bernie rights and influence that I want to see on this one project. He's like, there's a project, said there was a project that he had that he had written, hadn't finalized the scripts, but he'd written a bunch of stuff for like five years prior said that he's like, he had just shelved it because he couldn't find the right artist. And then he saw my stuff and he was like, you're the guy, you're the guy who's got to draw this. And, uh, <clears throat> fast forward C2E2 in 20, 20, I think 2017. I, uh, I'm there with, with the publisher I had at the time. And there's an, at that, at that show, I, I learned things that would, that went, went, that made it not at all surprising that publisher went under. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, great people. Love the guy. Love, love uh, Jim from Insane Comics. But there were some decisions he made that I thought were cool, but were very wishful thinking in comics. Anyway, that's a whole, that opens up a bunch of cans of worms. But uh, <clears throat> at C2E2, Dirk was there with the company that was publishing all of his stuff, uh, Source Point Press. And Dirk comes over to our little booth and sees me there, and I'm signing stuff, and books are moving, and it's doing well. And he's like, you know, asked me if I could take a break. And I was like, yeah, sure, I, I took a break. And he's like, I got somebody I want to introduce you to. He's like, bring a copy of your book. Oh, all right. I grab a copy of my book. We walk over and his publisher is there and his publisher is there just 
hustling books and selling books hand over fist to people. And he's busy as hell. <clears throat> and Dirk is like, uh, Travis. He yells at him. He's like, Travis. Travis is like, what? And, and him and Dirk, they, they yell at each other all the time. They're like, they're, you know, it's funny. They're like an old married couple. And he, uh, he's like, what do you want, Dirk? I'm busy. And Dirk's like, this is the guy. Travis is like, what guy? He's like, the guy I want to do homestead. <laughs> and then Travis stops, looks over, goes, who the hell are you? <laughs> and then Dirk pulls a comic out of my hands, hands it to him. And Travis is like, what's this? What am I looking at? What'd you do on this? And Dirk looks at him and goes, everything. He did everything. Because on Apocalypse Girl, I'm the writer, penciler, inker, letterer, colorist, and cover painter. I did all of it. And oh. uh, and when he says that, Travis slows down and starts looking through it. And he's like, you did all of this? He's <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, it's actually good. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I understand that because a lot of times when somebody tries to do all the stuff themselves, it doesn't work. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, at that point, I was 20-some years into my career. I kind of know a few things. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but I'm just going with it in stride. And, and Travis is like, and he flips over and looks at it and goes, and, and all these these publishers, they all know each other. And he goes, what the hell are you doing with Jim? <laughs> He's like, what are you doing with Jim and Insane and Insane Comics? I was like, well, you know, he gave me a good deal. We we got a good deal going and blah, 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 blah. Travis is like, I would have taken this. You ever sent me a submission? I was like, I was like, didn't know who the hell you were. <laughs> and then, so, and he's like, you got anything else you want to do? I was like, yeah, I got other projects I want to do. He was like, talk to me after the show. Talk to me after the show. And, and then, he gets back to this stuff and we go on. So I go back about three months later, but insane comics closes their doors. And I get a message from, from Jim saying we're, you know, we're, we're going out of business. We're closing everything up. <clears throat> and, uh, I was like, huh? Okay. That sucks. So then I immediately messaged Travis and I mean, I literally had two messenger windows open and I messaged Travis. And I was like, hey, Travis, did you hear insane comics is going out of business? He's like, no. And I was like, uh, so it looks like I'm a free agent. He's like, what's going to happen with that book of yours? I was <laughs> like, well, you said you'd be interested in it. So, I was like, and they've already put out three issues. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm sitting here with issues four and five done. I've only got one more issue to do, and it's a six-issue series that'll be done. Right. And he's like, and Travis is like, do you have a release letter? So I messaged Jim right then. And I was like, hey, Jim, it's Les. You know, can I get a release letter from you? You know, but, and he's like, I knew you'd be coming. And he literally had one waiting for me. And I... He, <laughs> shoots it through there as an attachment and I drag it and drop it right onto Travis who then grabs it and I had a contract within a week. Oh, wow. So it was, it was like, 
uh, it was like out of one publisher right into the other. <clears throat> so then Apocalypse Girl comes out through through SourcePoint, and they, they sat on it for a minute for some reason. But it the the floppies all came out in 2019, and uh, around Christmas of 2019, the collection came, collected volume one came out. <clears throat> and I was slated to do 35 shows in 2020. And I got to do one because of COVID. Oh, wow. Right. COVID. Rich Davis, though, at that time, was also with SourcePoint, where he did Cult of Dracula and Rise of Dracula. <laughs> and um, I ended up doing a bunch of retailer-exclusive covers on some of that stuff. And there was one of those that I did which I still don't have any of my copies of that I was supposed to get. That irritates me. And I've, and I've actually seen the thing on eBay for as high as 250 bucks. Oh, wow. But, uh, which is, is really weird, really weird when you see your stuff starting to get price tags like that. But, uh, <clears throat> this, this one piece, part of the, the dealer's deal was uh, they'd get the original. And I I didn't even know Rich. Like, I had no idea who Rich was. I had no idea about anything. I was just I'm just working. And they're like, you want to do a cover for for this? And how much would you charge? So I was like, get my price. And they're like, all right, cool. We need something that's, that's this stuff for this book. Okay. <clears throat> so I take the notes and everything and do the piece. It was a cool piece. And everybody liked it. And when, I, when it's time for me to ship it off, I asked somebody at the company, I'm like, who do I ship this to? And they're like, oh, here, just send it to Rich. So they give me Rich Davis's info. Come to find out, I ended up shipping it to Rich when it was supposed to go to this retailer on the other end of the country. Oh, but wow. Because of that mistake, Rich and I ended up talking. And Rich freaking loved the work that I'd done. And... You know, and he was like, dude, he's like, I've got to work with you in the future. He's like, we've got to do stuff together. So uh, <clears throat> fast forward a hot minute and he comes back around with uh, uh, Prometheus in Chains, which uh, I don't know if the entire series is out yet. I think I think they're getting I think number six is about to come out. So but uh, when he uh, he went to a different publisher to do a, a book called Prometheus in Chains, and he asked me to do all the covers, like oh, wow. covers for all six with a variant for each. So I did A and B covers for all six issues of that. And uh, issue number one sold out like like that. It was, it was wild. And uh, <clears throat> I, uh, in the middle of working on those, um, in the middle of working on those, this was back in February. I actually had a, uh, a double ischemic stroke. Oh, wow. And, uh, was paralyzed my entire left side. And, uh, so, and my, my left, my left arm still doesn't quite work. So that's been, that's a whole other thing. Mm. So, that's been a nightmare, but, uh, you know, they, they told me I'd never walk again. And I've proven that vastly wrong. 
So I, it's one of the reasons I'm up at 5 a.m. though, because I go to the gym and I, I mean I work out like a monster on a regular basis. And uh, but I was in the hospital and I actually completed the the last uh, couple covers of Prometheus after right like like in the couple of days right after I got home from the hospital and um, I had already started working before the stroke on Homestead with Dirk had the first issue finished then I had the stroke um, I was actually I had an iPad on my knee as nurses were putting tubes in me working on stuff for Homestead and I look over at one of the nurses and I'm like could you please not shake me <laughs> <laughs> they're like what are you doing I was like I'm working I was like somebody's got to pay for this shit <laughs> but uh, so I, you know I'm, I'm just working through everything and then uh, after um, after I came out of there and I finished up everybody expected me to stop which I, mm. I guess is understandable but I mean I, I worked through the stroke I worked right after and I completed those covers and Rich was like holy hell dude he's like you're and, and and somehow I think my work got better. And <clears throat> after those covers and everything, Rich was like, dude, he's like, I'm about to do Reign of Dracula. I want you to do it. He's like, uh, oh, well, the previous summer, he had already hired me to do covers for it. Which, me being me, I was like, I, just, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something neat, something I thought would be cool. So when we talked about the covers, right? I want to make I want I want to do these paintings at like two feet wide by three feet tall, or no, three feet wide by four feet tall. And he's like, "Go on." I was like, "And they're all gonna connect." Oh, cool! So last summer, I painted those covers, and the boards for painting them. A lot of the work was done with them mounted to my barn was actually painting these comic book covers all with the boards mounted together so that they could go across each other oh, in nice. like 95 degree Southern Kentucky heat last summer. And uh, like, like the, the image that you had up at the beginning, I think that, uh, that wraparound cover, that's the covers for issues one and two of the series put together, how they okay. can. Right. Yeah. And then, so then there's, there's, there's four more pieces like that. And they all connect. The originals of them all connect together to make one piece of artwork that's four feet tall by eighteen feet long. Wow. Okay. It's it's crazy. We we debuted that after it was done. We we op we he was set up at Fan Expo in uh, Knoxville last summer. We uh, unveiled those at that show, and uh, they, they, like it was just it was so big that they actually had to wrap around the booth. It was the weirdest. It's like one of the weirdest damn things, you know. It's like who 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 does some crap like that? But there it was, you know. It was, it was neat, and uh, it got got some attention on things. Right. So then, fast forward to after my stroke, and you know, we're talking, and people are asking me how I'm doing. And Rich is like, "You can still draw, obviously." I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "If I was like, drawing is there was a there were a number of things I loved doing that were taken off the table for me for a while." They're still off the table until I get my hand to work again. Um, but I can draw. Right. I was like, yeah. I was like, dude, my right hand was not affected. 
my cognition was not affected. I'm, I'm solid. I can work and I want to work. I was like, I will work. I, I will probably work harder now than anybody's ever seen. And he's like, you want to do reign of Dracula? You want to do all the inside of it? I was like, yes, give it to mm. me. Give me that yeah. book. I'm going to do it. You know, I was like, if you got any other books you want done, do them. So I think, uh, he handed me the script for number one and I turned that book around, uh, pencils, inks and ink washes in two weeks. It's 24 pages. So Les, if people want to learn more about your work, where's the best place they could go to? Uh, I used to say my website, but you know, there's a truism that, uh, those who can do and those who can't keep their websites up to date. So, you know, I, I tend to be working so much that all my presence is kind of behind. Um, uh, I would say, uh, look me up on Facebook, uh, Facebook still, you know, I'm, I'm an old fart and Facebook's comfy. So I'm still very active there. Right. Look me up on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, of course you, if you, if you plug my name into a search engine, you'll get those. You'll probably get, uh, my website at uh, sixus1.com, S-I-X-U-S-1.com. Um, these days, most of my social media is more focused on comics than anything else, so that's the best place to get those. But there is a lot of that along with all the other stuff that I've done up on my website. And I, I recently started updating it with some new uh, some new paintings and things. And, oh, yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So if you click Perfect. on it, I think, I think it's going to, I think it's going to do a, ask you to join my mailing list if you click on it. So mm. I'm, I'm probably going to change that. Cause someone recently told me like, Oh, people hate that. I'm like, well, you know, I built the thing years ago, man. Give me a break. Next time you're working on a project, this has been great. I'd love to have you come back on. This has been fun chatting with you. Uh, I, I appreciate it, man. I, uh, I'm notoriously long-winded, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't help. It's just a habit, you know. That's, yeah. I think it's a Kentucky thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Les. Oh, sure, dude. And anybody watching or listening, please, you know, go check out the Reign of Dracula on Kickstarter. You know, we got uh, listed today as a project we love on there. So, right, uh, absolutely. I hope, I hope that gets some more eyes on it. And, uh, we got variant variant covers up there from a bunch of other artists who uh, who Rich is friends with, collects these guys, and there's some pretty wild stuff up there. That that one I really like that one. That one's cool. That these two are my favorites of the variants. That that one and the one from Bella. Right. I like those. Yeah. Uh, her stuff reminds me of uh, of Mike Lindsner from from years ago, the the guy right. who did Cry for Dawn. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. All right. But All right. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's Reign of Dracula. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this thing continues to, to pick up some steam and uh, go check it out. You know, a lot of fun. Excellent. All right. So, All right. I think we got pages. There's, if you keep scrolling down, there's like samples of the interior pages and stuff up there. Yeah. So, real happy with that. I'm looking forward to getting the whole thing done. There, there is some wild stuff in this book. Right. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you got project we love and, and, you know, easily you'll be able to, 
Yeah, there, there's some of my interior work on it. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, Les. All right. Thank you, man. It's nice. And then, and on top of that, I'm 30 minutes from Metropolis, Illinois, where they have the Superman Museum. So, See? There you yeah, go. It, it's like, you know, people think that, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to have access to all their culture. And I'm like, dude, you know, there's people. Right. We're here. Right. We like yeah. things. So, you know. <laughs>